0: This is the Photography Podcast on photography.ca, episode number 119 Manipulation and Photojournalism, Part 2, an interview with Maud Doiron. Hey there photo lovers, how's it going? And welcome to the 119th podcast on photography.ca. My name is Marco Kulik, and as usual, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we're going to continue the theme of our last podcast, Manipulation Photojournalism, and this time we're interviewing Mo Duaron, who is a photojournalist for The Globe and Mail. The Globe and Mail is Canada's largest national newspaper. But before we get into it, I always like to thank people for their comments on our last podcast, number 118, where we had an interview with Carl Neustetter of The Ottawa Citizen, and Jason, Isak, and Juliet O'Neill I'll have comments uh, directly in the blog, which is our favorite way to get them, photography.ca forward slash blog. If you have a Flickr site or a website, feel free to put your uh, URL uh, in the comment box there. All right, so let's just get into today's podcast, which is a very casual podcast that is about 70 minutes long, and Mo and I talk about the winning world press photo, the Chicago Sun Times firing, uh, manipulation over the last decades in uh, photojournalism, and uh, quite a lot more. Let's get right into it now. And I'd like to welcome a really special guest to our podcast today. Uh, today's guest is Mo Duaron, and he is a photojournalist and a former photo editor of the uh, Globe and Mail, our newspaper here in uh, Toronto, Ontario. So thanks so much for doing this podcast, Mo. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Photojournalism is changing, and I thought we would dedicate um, a good part of this podcast to talking Exactly about that. So, you know, first off, Mo, you know, how long have you been shooting? Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, um, I guess it's coming up on 30 years. Um, Surprising to me whenever I say that number. But, uh, yeah, I started out um, like anybody else, I suppose, uh, early on, um, you know, hanging around the local newspaper in my hometown um, and then making my way up. Worked for a number of years uh, for wire services like Reuters and Canadian Press, and a few smatterings of newspapers along the way and then uh, midway I guess uh, about 15 years ago I decided to go to uh, uh, to what some call the dark side of editing so I I, I went into uh, photo editing for a little while hung up the cameras um, did that for about uh, 10 years and then just recently uh, about three years ago went back out on the street as I like to say um, shooting so I've kind of kind of done the, uh, the circuit, as, as, you, as it were,
0: uh, and seen both sides of the, uh, of the game. So One of the things that we're going to talk about today is how photojournalism has changed. And given that you've been in the game for a while, and 20 years ago the medium of choice was film, and it's no longer film, you have totally seen the transition from digital into film.
1: Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm
0: sorry. You have totally seen the transition from film into digital.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it has been been quite a ride. Um, You know, it was a very slow-moving process to a certain extent for a little while. But looking back at it, um, you know, I'm surprised how fast it actually did happen. But, um, you know, in many ways, we're better for it. Um, I can't think of too many of the old ways of doing things that I miss. Um, there's a little bit of a romance to it, but um, the actual practicality of it doesn't uh, doesn't really measure up to how easy things are now.
0: Right. Uh, just to give uh, our listeners uh, the quickest history possible, um, you know, in the past, you know, we we shot on film, and the film had to be developed, and then you know, the film was was processed. And then the shot was put out for the public to see. Nowadays, that you know, darkroom part of it, or technical part of it, that happened partially in the darkroom, doesn't happen in the darkroom at all. It happens using graphics programs like Photoshop. Um, how long have you been using Photoshop? Tell us, if you could tell us a little bit about your process, that might also be interesting. You know, how does it work these days, you know, from the time you take a shot to the time it goes out in the paper?
1: Yeah, you know, Photoshop, it's funny, Um, we started using it as soon as, you know, the transition, as before the transition to digital, actually, we were scanning negatives. So there was kind of a midway point there. We went from darkroom uh, making prints and, you know, with the red light and all that stuff. Um, And then uh, we went to negative scanners, which eliminated the printing process, but you were still shooting film. Um, so at that point, when the negatives were scanned onto a computer screen in the same way that most people see their digital images come up on the computer screen, we started using Photoshop. The only reason was because it was, it was, it was all that was out there. There were no other choices. You know? Even the very early versions of Photoshop, there were, no, there were no alternatives. It was a very expensive program then as it is now. But in many ways, because of, because of the nature of what we do as photojournalists, you know, and we can talk a little bit about this later, by nature and by, for, for ethic, ethical reasons and, and professional reasons, we don't alter images. And, and so Photoshop has kind of become known in a way to, you know, in, 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 connected, in connection with using tricks and, and all kinds of, of, of other techniques to swap people's heads on photos. You know, you know, when something's been Photoshopped, it doesn't mean I corrected the color you know, for most people, they think, oh, somebody's head's been transposed on someone else's body. So it's, you know, it's become this, this, uh, this magical program. In fact, you know, for our our daily use of it, it, we we probably use about five or 10% of its capacity. You know, we use it to correct color balance and, and, you know, some, some uh, toning uh, and contrast that are really just corrections for, you know, perhaps improper exposure or, you know, odd lighting situations. Um, And then, you know, saving the image into a format that's, that's usable. So, um, and it's still become, you know, it's still kind of the industry standard because, you know, there's, there have been alternatives, but you know, they're they're not really that, that easy to use. So, um, so yeah. So really it's just a matter of, of some very simple corrections and then saving the file and on we go. So it's a bit like uh, you described shooting, shooting flies with a shotgun. It's, it's, it's it's far more powerful of a program than we really use. Uh, on a day-to-day basis.
0: I got you. Actually, let's get into the winning World Press photo image of the year, just because I see a tie-in immediately, and then we'll back up and talk about other stuff. So that's actually, for me, a really interesting photojournalistic image. And I have some opinions about that image, but I'm not a photojournalist, I have to say that. Um, As a caveat, you know, I'm a fine art photographer. So in the fine art photography world, it's kind of been accepted these days that Photoshop is just a tool, and you can use it Any old way you want. If you want to make your image green when it was blue, go ahead. It's your right. This seems to be... You know, I've been online for a while. I, too, have been shooting for 20 years. And I run a fairly, you know, active forum that uh, we talk about this from time to time. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to other genres of photography, I think people have less of an issue when the image is too Photoshopped, as you said. You know, one head goes on another body. And that's obviously an extreme. And obviously with extremes, there's the extreme at the other end, where maybe you're only doing the most basic uh, leveling to the image, and that's all you will do, and that might be an extreme. When it comes to fine art photography or any other genre besides photojournalism, I think people have accepted that just about everything they see is fake or has been retouched in some way. Every fashion image, or nearly every fashion image you'll see in most major magazines, They're retouched, uh, you know, to the end of time. And the the models no longer look like people. We're in, excuse me, it seems to me, we're in a a state where there are no rules in a way. And yet photojournalism, in my opinion, should have rules. So let's talk about that winning Gaza burial image by Mm -hmm. Paul Hansen, which I have to say, I find it's a very powerful image. Um, What do you think of that image, uh, Mo, if I could just ask you straight up?
1: Yeah, well, when I first saw it, I didn't see it. I don't recall seeing it before the contest, but uh, when it did win <clears throat> and it started to make its way out in announcements and such, I couldn't, you know, I was quite impressed by it. I was actually thought it was quite stunning. And I think I I was sitting at the office um, when I saw it and I there was another one of my colleagues, uh, one of the photographers, who was sitting next to me and I said, you know, check this out. This is really stunning. And, you know, he agreed instantly and, um uh it, it really is one of those uh, epic images that has so much going on um and you know those those kinds of photos are very very hard to capture because uh you know the more that's going on the more distractions you have and when you see photos that have a lot happening in them uh and yet they're not distracting i mean that that really is a that's a feat uh for sure you know i didn't think anything of it you know i i've seen the lighting in the photo is unusual, but I have seen photos from the Mideast with similar lighting in the past uh, that I knew were shot on film and I knew that were not manipulated. So it didn't come at, you know, I, I wasn't suspicious at all. I just thought, lucky him, <laughs> you know, when it comes right down to it. I, you know, when you're working in midday light, in a lot of places, in, for instance, in Africa and the Middle East, the lighting situations are very—they're um, not very photo uh, helpful. They're—they're—it's—it's it's ugly lighting. It's—it's it's almost like um, yeah, it's con- midday. It's gross midday it's, light. It's harsh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you end up seeing a lot of really poorly done fill flash type things. But so when it all comes together, um, it's rare. And so so yeah, I I just thought it was absolutely stunning, and I didn't really think anything of it until um, you know until all of a sudden things started to bubble up.
0: Huh. That's so interesting. I have to be completely honest. The very second I saw the photo, I'm like, "Oh my God! This looks like a fashion photograph. It looks yeah. too cinemagraphic for me, for my yeah. eye," and like it just got me thinking. Like, and I'm not a photojournalist, but I read, right. the, but I read the news like everyone else. I've never seen photos look like that. I, and in my opinion, when I saw the photo, my instinct was: you can't make a photo like that. You cannot, in my opinion, like from my experience, you can't capture a photo like that in camera. To me, I and I and I'm not the best, you know, retoucher or Photoshopper either. The lighting caught me right away. It looked like it looked too fashiony for me.
1: Well, that, that, that's the only unusual thing about it. I mean, I've seen photos similar photos like that from the Mideast all the time, from the wire services and, and such. So it's not it wasn't so much the content of the photo that was surprising to me when I saw it. Um, uh, but it was the lighting. There's no question about it, but that said, you know, there was nothing about it that, you know, um, you know, raised any flags to me. Uh, you know, I've seen people, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen photographers, uh, agency photographers work with, with assistants with strobes in spot news stories where they have an assistant with an off camera strobe two or three feet away. Uh, that's that's fi- being fired by a wireless remote that gives the impression of of that kind of lighting, and I've seen that successfully done. And um, you know, again, it doesn't it doesn't cross any any ethical guide any lines because it really is just an off camera strobe that we would use for any other kind of purpose. So it's not adding or taking away information. So I mean, part of me thought, well, maybe he did that, um, but then I didn't think that was very practical uh, in a situation like that. Um, so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, uh, it, certainly uh, it certainly looks different.
0: Okay. No, it's really, I have to say, it's really interesting to hear it uh, from the mouth of a photojournalist. Again, for me, just because, you know, we do fine art, you know, for me, every photograph, like in the dark, like I did in the room, you know, I did extensive dodging and burning, you know, in order to bring attention to one area and eliminate attention from another area, which is You know, of course, it's perfectly legitimate. I just... And everyone's eye is different, and everyone's eye may detect different levels of manipulation, and that manipulation may cross a line for some people and not cross a line for other people. For me, I thought the faces just looked a little too... It looked like they were manipulated tonally in Photoshop. It looked like maybe to my eye, he had gone in and, and color-corrected individual faces versus maybe a more accepted practice. And we could talk about accepted practices, again in quotation marks, yeah. you know, versus the accepted practice of overall tonal control versus actively guiding someone's eye. You know, um, I do a little bit of teaching.
1: What I was going to say, you know you mentioned the dark room
0: dodging and burning.: and Yeah
1: that, you know I mean, there, there were certain things that we did. Uh, with the tools
0: that we have to, yeah, use. It's, a, it's all che- it's all cheating. Uh, you know, I totally get that point of view no, as well. No, no, it's
1: not. It's not. Here, here's, here's to me. Here's where the line is drawn. The line drawn is whether you're adding or taking information away from the actual scene. And so, if you're dealing with removing um, someone's hand from a, someone's face, or a, a plant coming out of someone's head, or You know, moving things around that weren't there, or eliminating graffiti from a wall because it's distracting. These are things where the rules are in place, and there's there is an acceptance of that when you're dealing from dealing with the difference between photojournalism and let's say fine art photography. Sure. When it comes to uh, an issue of latitude, you know, and I'm sure most of your readers understand what that means. If I go back and uh, look at digital images from 2001 where you're dealing with cameras that had maybe a, you know, a one megapixel file uh, with, you know, maybe an ISO max of 400, anything after that, it, the noise just became, uh, you know, looked like a snowstorm. And, you know, this is like, you know, we'll, we'll say within 10 years, for instance. If you now look at a file that's coming out of a, a Canon 1DX, for instance, you know, you're dealing with 60, 70, 65 megapixels, uh, you know, uh, files with a latitude that, you know, it probably rivals a four by five negative in some ways, you know, all of a sudden you're seeing things in a photo that wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago. You know, the details in the shadows and the details and the highlights at the same time in the range of it, you know, sometimes three, four, five stops that was, that was unheard of. but you know, 10, 15 years ago, and it was certainly unheard of in film to, to, you know, to varying degrees. But that, that, that's a technological advancement. That's not, you know, a man-made, um, you know, someone stepping in and saying, okay, I don't want to see this, and I want to see this. You know, I can expose an image one way, and, and my colleague can expose it another way. And the detail in his shadows and the detail in my shadows can be very, very different. And that has nothing to do with me adding or taking anything away or doing anything. But if I, you know, if I, if I tend to expose, you know, a stop under stop and a half for, um, you know, for a certain look, um, and, you know, all of a sudden you don't see something in the shadows, I'm not necessarily deliberately eliminating that information. That's just uh, a product of the technological limitations of, of how I'm making that image. So, you know, if you're dealing with seeing highlights and, sh- and and details and shadows that you you know you would you wouldn't be used to seeing, a lot of that is just a, uh, is just a product of the technology. It's not it's not anybody trying to trick
0: anyone. I hear what you're saying, and, and just yeah. to throw something into into the uh, yeah, into, yeah. into the mix. Uh, first off, do you shoot raw or JPEG? Uh, raw. Raw. So like so like all raw shooters, uh, the files typically come out flat. So they need. So by necessity. Every single file needs to be, in my opinion, every single file needs to be manipulated in some way. And we'll use just the word manipulation as the the broadest word possible. So it's, I guess, so at the end of the day, you know, what level of of manipulation is acceptable? The file comes out flat. It has to be manipulated. It has to be leveled. Um, Usually it has to be, or often it needs to be, color corrected globally. Uh, Both of us have no issue with that, of course. Mm -hmm. So for me, the, the subtleness comes in, with the active guiding of the eye. And because the file is so rich, I wonder if it really isn't simple temptation that might be getting the best of of some photojournalists. I mean, I'm going to assume that you have seen photojournalistic images that have gone too far. Have you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's um, temptation, yeah, for sure there's temptation. But, you know, you know, and, and this is where, you know, even using the word photojournalist, I mean, you know, who is and who isn't? And, right. Yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> is the mere act of getting paid? You know, at one time you were a professional photographer, you weren't. And if you got paid, you were professional. If you didn't get paid, you weren't. And that was pretty much the way it went. But, you know, now um those lines are, are pretty blurred because there's a lot of really great professional photojournalists who don't get paid. Um, that's just that's just a matter of how the market's gone. But um, so but 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 my point being is is you know when you're dealing with wire services like you know getty and reuters and and associated press and canadian press and then newspapers like the new york times or the global mail or los angeles times and, and um you know there are there are rules and, and but there's also a certain professionalism that you want that's understood when you get to you get to that level and so you know the temptation is not nearly as as great as as some might think, um, you know, and there's been examples. There's no, there's clearly been examples in the last, you know, couple of years where people have um, broken the rules and, and, um, and paid the price, paid a price for sure. And, And there's, and I have no doubt whatsoever. There are probably, you know, um, many more cases that have gone undetected. So, um, so yeah, there's no question. As far as the manipulation issue and dealing with the raw images, you know, there 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 has been a, sort of an argument in the past that if it's done in the camera, then it's okay. If it's if it's if it's something that's that's ad, that's adjusted after, then it becomes uh, a bit more of a uh, of a of a uh, of an issue. And you know, my argument to that is, if you know, if 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 I if I don't you know, if I shoot a photo with really poor uh, white balance and it comes out looking awful do I just say well that's it that's just that I'm stuck with it now um that's how it came out of the camera or do I have the ability to correct you know my mistake of not doing a proper white balance you know and be quite honest with you the reason I shoot raw is ninety nine percent wiped
0: out. Okay, yeah, because you're shooting under ugly light, and you. I, yeah.
1: you know, yeah, I don't shoot. You know, I mean, for some people, they might shoot in similar situations. Uh, you know, for an entire day, I don't do that, and so you know, I might go into a room that has a combination of window light, fluorescent light, and incandescent light. I got to figure something out, and by by shooting JPEG, I'm just asking for some 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 problems there. I'm probably a little bit more picky about my white balance than some people are, but 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 that really is you know uh, I actually shot JPEG for a while, and I and I there was one time where I you know I shot a daylight situation on a tungsten setting, and I you know I, I blew my assignment, and I, I just thought well I can't do this anymore because you're making decisions on the fly, and sometimes things change quick. Anyway, that that's you know that's the main reason. Um, and to be quite honest, when I open up my raw files, they actually look pretty good.
0: Mine do too, but, but I'm not going to print them like that. Like, they all need a no, little... No, I mean,
1: I suppose I could, but 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 like I said, I've seen I've seen people shooting JPEGs on bad settings that look worse. <laughs> For sure. So.
0: Cool. I guess uh, just to wrap up the uh, Gaza burial image thing, I just have one more question. Would you expect, um, and maybe I expect, so I'm wondering if you would expect, would you expect to see, in quotations better-looking photojournalistic images in the future. So let's say you had, like, film images from 20 years ago, not like the... You know, one megapixel camera, but good quality film images from 20 years ago mm-hmm. going head to head with digital images from today. After the win, let's say, you know, the Gaza burial win of that photo, would you expect photojournalistic images to look a little flashier, a little better, a little more cinemagraphic from now on? Has a line been crossed, or is just, or is this just an artificial line that people are talking about to to sell news and stuff like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do, and I've seen it already. I mean, you know, th- th- there's there's definitely 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 a very different look to images that I see today than than when I first started out looking at, uh, you know, contest winning photos from the 1970s and 80s. If you look at a World Press, you know, World Press puts out a book every year of the winning photos. I used to collect them years ago and I have some from the 80s, you know, I don't have any more, unfortunately. But, you know, if you were to look through those images, you'd see a lot of, you know, grainy um, unsharp contrast issues, all kinds of stuff that um, you know don't necessarily detract from the content and, and the significance of the images. But there's definitely a very different look. And again, you know, this is this has nothing to do with anybody. Um, you know, trying to make any, um, you know, trying to trick anybody. This is just really just a function of, of the technology. I mean, the quality of the film, the um, uh, quality of scanners, even you know, even the process of scanning the images for the for the publishing the book has, has changed. So the the quality is very different. So when I yeah when I look at when I look at you know an image that's been shot on you know uh, you know uh, um, you know a, D, a Nikon D four or five D or something, and it, where you're dealing with you know forty five fifty megapixel raw image that's been that's been saved, uh, you know, at a very high-quality JPEG quality. I mean, you know, that stuff looks like it's shot on, like, 100 ISO film from days ago, you know, from years ago. You just couldn't do that. I could not, you know, a couldn't function on 100 100 or 200 ISO in lighting conditions. So, you know, yeah, it looks different. And, yeah, it's going to look even better, you know. I mean, um, uh, like I said, you know, if, you, if I shot an ex- the exact same scene with a 1DX, at, you know, at RAW, the same scene with a, a digital camera from 10 years ago, and, and again, the same scene with a film camera from, from uh, years ago, even if it was on transparency film, you know, you'd see a, 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 an extremely wide range of, of tonality in that image. And, and so, you know, I mean, you know, here's sort of a, a bit of an analogy. I shoot sports, I can shoot sports at 10 frames a second at 2000 ISO with absolutely no noise. And, you know, when I first started in the early 80s, I was shooting at maybe three or four frames a second on 400, you know, on tri pushed to 1600 that looked like a snowstorm of noise <laughs> and, and rain that you literally couldn't see anything in a shadow. It was just, it just went black. And, you know, we accepted that at the time. But now it's just—it's absolutely a different—and that again, you know, that is just a function of technology. Uh, it has nothing to do. You know, I can shoot pictures today that I couldn't do 30 years ago. That's just the reality. And so, you know, if you look at that World Press image, could it have been possible 25 years ago, 30 years ago? As far as the tonality is concerned, not the content, probably not. But that's not to blame the photographer. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. Let's move on. Big news in the photojournalism world uh, yeah. these days in North America.
1: Stop the presses, as they say.
0: Yeah. You know, last week, the Chicago Sun Times laid off all of their full time uh, photojournalists, including a Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, John H. White. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge shocker. And then, you know, to add salt to a wound, if that didn't hurt photographers enough, a memo came out a few days later, which appears to be true, and where they're going to train the remaining you know part-time photographers or you know people with you know uh, slash jobs you know they're doing more than one job these days they're going to train them on stuff like iphone photography and video editing and and social media that hurts me i'm not even a photojournalist and that hurts me mm-hmm. uh, like how do you feel about this mo you know but i bet you
1: it hurts you marco i bet you it hurts you as a reader you know i mean <laughs> you're a photographer but the but the reason you're the reason you're bothered by that and it's the reason why everybody should be bothered by that. Because you know that when you look, if you were to look at the Chicago Sun-Times, the quality of the, of the photography is going to be poor. And that's why it bothers you. And and, and it should. Yeah. But that's exactly the point of, of, of what, what they're missing in this, is that, you know... Oftentimes people can't, I don't expect the reader to look at my images and say, well, I really love the way that you isolated the background there and you shot it, you know, 1.4. You know, he's not, he or she's not going to say that, but they're going to have an emotional reaction to that photograph, whether it tells a story or whether it it affects them one way or the other, um, and whether it's successful or not successful. And so in the same way that I go to an art gallery, I'm not going to start dissecting how someone painted and what kind of brushstrokes and and, you know, color mixing, they went, went into the painting. But I'll know if I like it if I don't, and I'll move on if I don't. And I think that's what's going to happen. You know, people are going to, if you, re- if you reduce the quality to a point where it doesn't matter, and there's no difference from one to the other, people won't spend any time on it. You know, they will move on and you could you could use the same analogy when you're in a written story in a written news story if it's a poorly written story with no information in it people aren't going to either pay attention they're going to move on they're going to flip the page um or they're not going to remember anything about it it's not going to touch them and you know that's really that's really the lesson in this you know I mean, people you know most of people most of the reaction i've seen in the last couple of days is has is, is been you know um you know, the word you use is short-sighted, and, and in some ways, it is short-sighted. I see it more as being panic-stricken. You know, it's a, it's an industry that's panicking, and they're looking at ways to save money. You know, nowhere in any of this has anybody come out to say that this is actually going to improve anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I- even the Sun Times, I mean, haven't gone that far. And so, you know, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but it, it, it you know, it's it's. uh it will come, at, you know. I have no doubt that it's going to come at a at a price. And um, people, like I said, people are not. People need to be engaged. You know, the average the average person, when dealing with consumer goods, and I'll, I'll just sort of group, you know, um, newspapers into that to a certain extent. Sure. You know, th- there's usually two pieces of criteria that people use to make a decision. One, how much does it cost? And two, is it any good? And you know, when I buy something, you know, I will usually use one or the other or a combination of the two. And so if newspapers are trying to generate, you know, revenue from online content, and we've seen a number of uh, newspapers and organizations go to paywall models, um, where I work is one of them, and so they find themselves uh, charging money and asking people to pay for stuff. Once you start doing that, when, when people get stuff for free, they're a little less discerning, You know, it's like ah, oh, it's free, so you know you can get away with a lot of stuff. If you start charging money for it, then people either say, okay, well, you know, is there somewhere else I can get it cheaper, or does it matter, or is this the same and it's cheaper, or is this worth paying for? And and this is where you know really you know the 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 rubber hits the road and it might, it might take a couple of years before people realize it is, you know, people are going to decide, you know, whether this is worth their, their time. And um, if it's not, they'll move on. And I, I just, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, a lot of people are, Jumping to the conclusion that every every newspaper is going to start following this as a model i mean i think I think if anything, this is one of those cases where people just you know look 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 around and say, you know I, you know, I can't believe that they they're this stupid.
0: But. I think you're. I think you're wholeheartedly right, though. I think that is the concern of a lot of people. You know, at the end of the day, you you mentioned quite a few things. Um, you know, one is the fact that you know newspapers, their revenue overall, you know, since the digital age, they're declining. They need a way to make money, um, and likely, you know, this was money-based. You know, they need to save some money. You know, canning, you know, uh, 30-ish photographers at full-time salaries. That's going to save them some money for sure. Will other newspapers take the same route? That I think is the issue. You made a really good point, you know, with regard to quality. Eve and I completely agree with you. Even someone that knows nothing about photography, put a crap photo in front of them, put a good photo in front of them, they'll be able to tell you which one they like but yeah. the one they like better. They may not be able to tell you why, but they'll like it better. And if they see enough crap photos, then maybe they may they may change newspapers, maybe. But, uh, you know, if if other newspapers are going to start doing similar things, because let's be real, everyone has a camera these days. So even though it's false thinking, uh, you know, I went to school for photography. I don't know if you did, but you certainly, you know, invested time studying photography you know you know anyone has a camera these days and people are considering themselves photographers just because they took a couple of nice photos on their on their phone and at the end of the day iPhones are good I have one myself they're good I could take a really awesome photograph of a flower in good light (laughs) no problem that flower is going to look bloody great and really you know uh, more often than not even experienced people like you might not be able to tell, did that photo come from the iPhone or did it come from, you know, an icon, uh, you know, D700 or D800 or something Man. like that. But uh, try and get something that moves. Like you say you do a lot of sports. What are you going to cover, a sporting events with, with an iPhone? It's preposterous. Boy, yeah. Obviously, it's preposterous. Um, so so that's the worry, I think, that like, yes, the, the Sun-Times will save money uh, and other newspapers – also short-sighted, may also think, hey, the Sun-Times is doing it. Let's do it too. Why should we pay people, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 grand a year when we could pay them $20 a photo?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, you know, I I know how to count and I have a copy of Microsoft
0: Excel on my laptop, but it doesn't make me an accountant. Right. I understand that. I think a lot of people... Sure that, but like no one's giving you a job to be an accountant. All you need is an iPhone now, and maybe you could sell your, your images to the Sun Times, right? You may have like zero experience. You just do yeah. it for fun. You're a hobby photographer, but now you could sell your image to the Sun Times. That's different. That's different than than having a copy of Microsoft Excel. You're not going to do accounting for someone with Microsoft ex- Excel and no, no accounting experience. I'm, no, I'm not that. I'm not <laughs> that
1: but you know, listen. You know, the uh, I mean, there, there's been job losses all over this this business. I mean, you know, this is a bit of an extreme situation. But um, you know, I mean, there's been an attrition in, in in staffing levels for for the last number of years where. You know, jobs aren't being replaced. And 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 those could be you know, both photographers, editors, and even reporters to a certain extent. You know, and I think that a lot of the measures that you're seeing in, in some of the some of the, the business cases in, in especially in the US, um, because things are a bit more pronounced and advanced there, at least the panic anyway, is you know, there the race to save, uh, to cut cost is is outpacing the race to create new revenue. You know, they're spending a lot more time trying to figure out how to not spend as much money. If they spent that amount, that amount of time and resources into figuring out how they could make more money, you know, we probably wouldn't be in this situation. But unfortunately, that's kind of the path, you know, the, the slippery slope that they've gone down. You know, I'm not against somebody doing multiple things. I, I actually, you know, spend some time with, with photo students at, at a... at at a photojournalism program, a true photojournalism program. And they spend a lot of time in the last couple of years, you know, um, training the students or teaching the students how to write properly, how to do video and how to edit video as well as do, um, you know, very uh, uh, high quality um, still photos. And, you know, this is the reality, you know, I mean, the the job that I have and the job that some of my colleagues have you know, those are, those are, that's a legacy situation. I mean, those will not move on any further than, than, than as long as we have them. And, and the reality is that people will, um, you know, be able to do a bit of both. The good news in this is that at one time, a bit like the Sun Times, I suppose, but at one time you'd see reporters being asked to do, or at least people with a reporting background as opposed to a photo background being asked to to take photos. You know, they were kind of, you know, um, Here's a camera, and uh and you know, there was a certain reluctance there. This is not what I got into, and and uh you could see it in the quality, and you know, it was it went from the enthusiasm level to I don't want to do this because I've got too much to do, and and you know, obviously skills. But what we're seeing now uh is you know journalism students coming out of university degrees with with a very well-balanced set of skills that touch on all of these things. And I spoke recently at a at a print journalism or at least a, a, a traditional journalism class at uh, a, a university here in Toronto. And it was, it was a photojournalism portion of their, of, their, of their program. And I thought I was, I really thought I was talking to a class of photojournalism students. I was so impressed by the questions that they asked and the engagement level they had. And, and the intelligent comments that they had about, about photography, that, you know, I, I thought that I, I just didn't see a difference. And I think that that's what's that's starting to happen. So, you know, there, you know, there is a little bit of a some comfort, I suppose, in, in in some of the of the way things are moving. That it's not all going to be going to hell in a handbasket, but you know the ways the sometimes. And you know, look, the newsrooms are full of, of of reporters who are you know uh, doing iPhone photos and iPhone videos, and you know my my newsroom is the same. And some of it's very very good. Some of it serves a purpose. But like you said, you know, I wouldn't send someone to cover the Stanley Cup playoffs with a knife. <laughs> And if they did, they'd certainly realize their the errors of their ways pretty quick.
0: Do you think that's gonna happen with the Sun Times? Do you think they no,
1: because this? you know, they've got wire services to, to do that, you know? Okay.
0: And so, you know,
1: they if they continue to subscribe, I'm, I'm sure, to Associated Press or, or Reuters or Getty. And, you know, that that's what they'll that's what they'll use for those.
0: Okay. So basically if they need a photo that you can't get with an iPhone, they're just gonna buy it elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know, and and you know, I mean there's you know the freelance option is you know is there? A, I mean you can you know I mean you can make an argument to outsource anything. You know sure. you know it's good. Is it cheaper? Yeah, probably in some ways, but um, you know sometimes it's not cheaper, and you know you have all kinds of uh, issues. Uh, you know again when someone's employed, uh, if someone has an employer, you know there, there's a certain um, you know there's an accountability to that, and. And uh, when you're dealing with, with uh, news organizations that are, you know, struggling in, in the day of fast and inaccurate information, um, you know, to maintain a certain level of, of integrity, um, that's something you can't control as much when you're dealing with freelancers and people who are just submitting photos, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a reader or as a, you know, member of the public. Um, and so, you know, it's a little harder to control and it's, again, it's a slippery slope. Um, and we'll see how, it, how the experiment in Chicago is going to play out. I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out very well, whether or not they, they actually backtrack on their decision or not. Um, um, but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly not going to, uh, it's certainly not going to improve their, uh, their business plan. I don't think.
0: Yeah. Like, I wonder if their circulation is going to go up. I, I can't imagine how it would.
1: Well, like I said, I mean, people, you know, people will move on, you know, the eyes wander. And, and you know, the, the the biggest challenge right now is that, you know, people have options, you know, Right. people have choices. And when given the choice, people will will follow their nose. And, um, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, I look, I mean, you know, the lowest common denominator has always been a a successful business plan whether it's in politics or whether it's selling a product you know you make something cheap and make it accessible to everybody and it's going to sell you know we see it in music we see it in in, in, in consumer products and it works perfectly in politics Right. The, the numbers are there you know so so if you dump something down you know you can dump it down to a certain point people will still grab it and and but you know Uh, There will come a point where, you know, if you've got 10 crappy websites and one good one. You know, once they've gone through the other nine,
0: yeah, they're coming back to yours, to the one. They're probably one. going
1: to come back, yeah,
0: exactly. And at the end of the day, let's be real, we're seeing jillion, everyone, whether photographers or not, we're seeing jillions of photos every single day, and well, like, and, and like most people, like we talked about before, even though they may they may know dick about photography, they know the difference between a good photograph and a bad photograph. And if the Chicago Sun Times is, you know, you know they have a competitor, the Tribune, which I, yeah. I believe I believe is a larger uh, paper. I mean, if they're going to have better quality photos. You know how many people read the paper anyway? A lot of a lot of people just look at the photos and skim the headlines. You know. If I was
1: the editor in chief of the Chicago Tribune, I'd double my photo staff tomorrow.
0: Totally, totally. You would hire. <laughs> yeah. You would hire. Like, yeah, you'd spend some money on quality photojournalists with a Absolutely. name. You would hire uh, John. You know, John H. White oh, yeah, back. Exactly. Totally, that's what you would do. Because yeah. then you could differentiate uh, with the Sun Times and say our paper is quality. We use quality people. That's what I would do. I'm not a business guy, but that's what I would do. Like I said, the quality
1: issue is something that's being overlooked in a lot of ways. I mean, it's being maintained in a number of places. i I like to, you know, I'm happy to say it's being maintained where I work. And, you know, I think there's a value there that, that it took for, in some cases, you know, a century to build and to throw that all away um, to solve a problem is, you know, as people have described, short-sighted, you know. And it, it's, it's, uh, you know, the ironic thing about this is is the fact that, you know, on June 3rd 2013 photography in in its many forms has never been more popular than than in, 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 in any day in any decade or in any kind of situation whether film digital or or anything you know and whether that's been made possible by the mobile smartphone or whether it's just people exercising something that they you know they've always wanted to do I'll I'll tell you, you know, ever since I've been a photographer, you know, if I'm in a, if I'm in a room full of people who aren't photographers, I have the coolest job. (laughs) And everybody wants to ask me questions about what I do and how I do it. And that's never changed. And, and, you know, I think most people, most people uh, are, you know, are captivated by that. And so, you know, in a time where, you know, as, as, uh, as some of my colleagues have described in in their blogs on, on this issue, in a time where, you know, millions of photos are being, you know, uploaded and shot and and and, and shared. Um, some of some of which, I mean, I, I I see some Instagram sites that just blow
0: me away. Oh yeah! From, oh for sure. There's quality everywhere. You can have from professionals. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there, yeah, no, no, no. There are qual for sure, for sure, for sure. There but are. The, but yeah. but but
1: they're you know they're interesting to look at. I'm not talking about somebody's lunch. But <laughs> but, but but I mean, people are are making an effort. You know, I mean. You know, I've, I see people who have no photo background at all who are making an effort into improving their photography skills because of what they see out there and what they see other people doing, you know. And I think, you know, I have never seen that before. And, and you know, obviously the, the equipment is becoming better. You know, I, I and cheaper. I ran into somebody the other day. I was out shooting photos of an assignment and he had a very professional looking camera. Uh, as I might sort of describe. And I, I went over and I said hi to him because he saw that I had some professional learning cameras too, and he was looking at me. But anyway, he wasn't a professional. He was just out there having fun. And I said to him, I said, you know, there was a day where if I looked over and saw somebody with, with, uh, with uh, that quality of equipment, I would have assumed, A, they're working for another newspaper, or I would have known who they were. And I said, now you can't tell because everybody has a, you know, uh, a DSLR with a with, uh, you know, a 7200 uh, 2.8 on it. And, and that's just sort of a camera that people buy just to use on, on their own, which I think is great. You know, I think it's fantastic. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't you know I, there's been so many epitaphs written in the last five years on the death of photojournalism and the death of photography. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those sort of rare sort of, uh, I, you know, I'm not necessarily... Overly optimistic in general, but but in this situation, uh, you know, I I, I see things uh, I see things getting better. You know, I mean, I like I said, I look at look, World Press for instance. I look at the winners every year, and they get better and better and better. The types of stories people are shooting, the amount of dedication and passion people are putting into it, the creativity involved. Nothing's going away. I mean the only, the only the only difference is people aren't getting paid as much as they used to. Uh,
0: <laughs> I think that's actually a big one, you know because those, you know those of us have been doing it for a while. We're like, hey, we've been doing it for a while. We cut our chops, we deserve whatever forty, 50, 60, 70, 80 grand a year, whatever it is with whatever you know company we're working with. and then you have talented people with iPhones, some of them creating good stuff, some of them with, you know, just regular cameras and some of them with professional cameras, but maybe not so much experience. And I agree with you. They are producing like great stuff. You know, you just have to do a search on Flickr 500 pics, yeah. you know, like there's loads of gold there, loads and loads of gold. Yeah. So I I totally share your optimism uh, with photography in general. I'm just really concerned a little bit with photo journalism and, you know, reality, what that even means anymore. Is it changing that kind of thing? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the readers of the side, you know, the readers of the side, you know, there's, there's always, you know, I look around uh, and I, you know, I meet, I meet young photographers, um, you know, every, every week who are pursuing this and are, you know, are not deterred. Obviously I, you know, I have a lot of photographer friends and editors on my Facebook feeds and, you know, they'll be posting and forwarding, sharing links to galleries and work that other photographers are doing. And I can't get through, you know, a three or four hour newsfeed and not have at least uh, a half a dozen links to stuff. That's just, Absolutely brilliant work, and that's being done today. You yeah. Know? So you know the the good stuff's still getting done. There's still people out there that are going to do it. Um. So I you know I don't think people are being deterred. Like I said, the business models change a little bit. Uh. But there's there are fewer, fewer publications out there clearly that are that are doing it. But at the same time too, then there's just sort of a whole new world of, you know, I mean Instagram. You know, I mean the thing is, is Instagram doesn't necessarily mean. You know, to some people, it means you know filters and and uh, funny effects and and all kinds of stuff. And, and yes, I mean there's a, there's there is a lot of that too. But you know, I mean, I worked for wire services when I first started, and you know, one of the great sort of perks to that job is when you shot something, it went around the world. You know, on these machines, and um, that was kind of cool. You you know, your photo could be published in Japan. Uh, you know, if it was a newsworthy story out of Canada. And, you know, that was something that uh, was, you know, was uh, space age, magical stuff. (laughs) Today, obviously, you know, someone can post something on Instagram, you know, and not not be doctored, not be photoshopped, not be just a really strong image of something. And have someone, you know, around the world or have 10 or 15 or 50 people around the world say, I like that photo. And I think, you know, again, I mean, that, that just that alone, if, if someone had to describe that to me 25 years ago when I started, I would have thought, no, that doesn't, you know, there's no way that's ever going to happen. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think, you know, there, there's always going to be the Sun Times out there. There are always going to be papers who are going to cut corners and businesses that are going to cut corners. You know, it will, you know, it will uh, have a little effect on some people and have a big effect on others. And what's sad to see is that used to be a paper of high integrity. And as you've seen with the staff that was let go, you know, it was it was a treasure chest of of experience. Of talent. Yeah. Of of talent. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what's sad to see when you see when you see things that are, you know, always been kind of crappy and they just continue their road with crappy. And that's fine. They're always going to be there. But you know, you look at the I mean, New York Times is a perfect example of. Uh, I mean, you know, clearly they, they you know, they have a huge amount of challenges, but I mean, you know, they continue to do, you know, very very high quality news photography and photojournalism and display it in a way that's 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 accessible and, and makes sense and uh, looks good and then, and and more more importantly takes it takes advantage of of what they can do now on 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 you know photo galleries on tablets and mobile and, and online and you know they really really you know rather than run scared and and start chopping off all their limbs trying to save money you know they they you know clearly they've had to do a bit of that but they've also said hey look what we can do now you know look what we can do with our photo galleries and look what we can do with our multimedia and look what we can do with our video and um, you know, arguably it's successful. I don't know. I mean, you know, they seem to be doing okay with their paywall. <laughs> um, but it's hard to tell if, you know, everybody has a spin on their numbers and, um, you know, everybody's trying to, you know, make the best of a bad situation. But, you know, um, photojournalism will be around a lot longer than, you know, after any newspaper is folded up. That's for sure.
0: So overall, I mean – it sounds to me like you have a very positive, <laughs> positive feel on, on the outlook. You know, I kind of,
1: yeah, well, yeah. Look, I, you know, if someone's looking for my job, um, good luck. Because, <laughs> yeah. no, because it's gone, you yeah. know, if I leave it, it's gone. It's not coming back. No, one's going to be hired as a, a still the only photographer that's just going to go out. You know, I, and I do video as well as part of my job. Um, but it, it still makes up a small portion of what I do. But you know, across the road at our comp- competing newspaper, you know, I, I, you know, some of my colleagues who have been there long as long as I have um, are just the other way around. They're doing about ninety percent video and ten percent still. So, you know, it depends on, on on what the strategy is and where where they see the uh, uh, the need for for content and, and the type of content. And some of it is a race for the you know for advertising dollars. It's not based on should we be doing this or shouldn't we be doing it on a journalistic level. It's it's You know, where, where can we, where can we tack an ad on and where can we make a few bucks? And that's fine. You know, I've always been a fan of that. You know, I, I never want to see a newspaper with no ads in it because I'm, you know, I might, you know, I'll, I'll be out of a job. (laughs) I mean, to be quite honest, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, for a long time have seen newspapers as, as some kind of community service and public service. And in many ways it is, you know, it was and still is, but it's a business, you know, with, with owners and share and shareholders and, 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 um, you know, uh, whether we like to admit it or not as, as, as newspaper employees, but, you know, we do fill the space between the acts that, that is, a, that is a big part of what we do. And, um, um, but we're lucky enough to be in a, in a situation where we get to, to fill that space with the best quality work that we can find and use our skills to do that. Um, and, uh. Uh, you know, I, I, any, like I said, you know, as, as far as the sometimes concerned, any kind of poor quality product without a strategy is, is a very short-lived uh, solution to a problem. And I, like I said, I mean, whether or not they, they last long enough to be able to backtrack and say, gee, we made a mistake, we're going to go back, but they'll find out soon enough.
0: Yeah, I think, I think they'll find out real quick. Yeah. And and probably, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, a good thing for current photojournalists to do, wherever they work, would be to start becoming more familiar with video. Would, you, would because, that, because video seems to be a huge part of newspapers these days, even though it doesn't make sense because newspapers are a print thing traditionally. But if you don't have video skills, you may be more uh, expendable.
1: Uh, As far as video and newspapers go, uh, you know, five or six years ago, I was was interviewed by a student uh, writing for a a journalism school newspaper. And, you know, much in the same way that we see changes in the business today, there was, you know, multimedia was making its way into newspapers. Video was making its way in. And it was kind of new then it still is kind of new. It still feels new, but it was very new then. And, um, and I said something to him that, that he printed and I kind of, I never regretted it, but I got a lot of flack over it. And that's when I, when I was I was actually the photo, a photo editor, uh, and I was, I was in charge of the department and hiring and such. And I said, you know, I will never hire another still only photographer again, that those jobs are dead. And, I, I got so many you know, negative reactions about that comment when people started to read that. And I never backed down. I never, I never for a second regretted saying that because I truly believed it. I believed it then and I believe it now. And, um, you know, a lot of people said I was wrong and, you know, yes, were there, were there jobs in the last six years that were still only photographers that people got? Yeah, there were a few, but there now there's no way. And, 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 you know, I mean, I, not to rub anybody's nose in it, but but I really do feel even more confident today that I was right back then.
0: You were totally right back yeah. then. I mean, just just look at YouTube, right? YouTube. I can't. I don't even know if YouTube is bigger than than Google, but it's it's one and two, I believe. You know. Well,
1: that, well, yes. <laughs> and when I look around uh, in in the newsrooms where where jobs are going and and the ones that are disappearing, it's exactly what's happening. And and so, but that's okay. I, you know, I don't. You know, to me, video is an extension of what we do as storytellers and journalists you know it's not it's it's another it's an extension of a visual you know medium that um you know early on when i saw it make its way in the newspapers i felt quite com- confident saying well this is something we should be doing uh i don't want reporters picking up video cameras and i don't want people from broadcast schools no no offense to people from broadcast schools but it's a very different set of skills And one of the things that, you know, I identified early on with multimedia was, you know, there's no there's no point with us competing with television. It's, you know, we're not going to win. These are people who've been at this, you know, uh, format for 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 decades and they have it down and their business model works a certain way and their staffing and their equipment and their skills. You know, let's make this something else. And so we did that and we were relatively successful with it. And you know then it 's kind of gone around, but you know make no mistake you know most of the most of the motivation for video right now is really not because it 's a better way of, of 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 passing along information in some ways it is, depending on the situation. but right now, as far as newspapers are concerned it 's all about advertising you know a video can can come with a 10-second, 15-second ad spot that you have to watch before you get to that video. You can't necessarily tack on on a story or a still photo online the same way you can with a video. And when you see a lot of newsrooms moving towards video content, um, a lot of that is is, is that's the reason. Uh, again, you know, going back to the traditional sense of of filling that space between the ads, you know, is it any different? Probably not. It's about the same thing. It's very different. But like I said, if if we don't sell ads, if we don't generate revenue, there is no newspaper, and there is no, you know, employed photojournalist, and um, you know that's the bottom line. So, you know, it's uh, it's a tough time. There's no question about it. But but you know, it's it's uh, music business went through the same thing 15 years ago, and you know they they reacted by um, you know trying to shut down the competition, and they lost. Yeah. Some ways they did, you know, they 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 were successful in shutting down Napster, but but the genie was out of the bottle, and and they couldn't get it, you know, they couldn't get it back in, and so they lost, you know, and it took it took Apple uh, with iTunes to come out and really truly just completely blow up the model and build a new business model, and now they own it, they own the music business, and record companies no longer do that. And, uh, you know, they lost that they lost that war. And, you know, in many ways, for, for the first 10 years of, of what we were going through, newspapers kept blaming everybody else. You know, they kept blaming the Internet. They kept blaming all kinds of stuff. And now they blame blogs and they blame YouTube and they blame Twitter, you know, uh, as, as, as something that's, that, that's stealing readers away. And, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are.
0: And, you know, I mean, I mean, it's partially it's true. Well, it is true, but I personally think it comes down to the quality, right? I mean, well, if, I, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. If the, if the quality on the net is better than the quality in your newspaper, you ain't going to be selling many newspapers. If the quality in your newspaper keeps being, the, you know, extremely high quality and people keep talking about it, that newspaper ain't going anywhere. If it has a good business plan, as far as my estimation goes.
1: Yeah, no, And you know what? Readers aren't a problem. Readership has been going up readership has been going up and up and up and up and up and up. And, and, um, what's going down is advertising. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the problem is that, you know, most, you know, and, and it's not, how it affects photojournalists in general and just the entire kind of, you know, industry, but, you know, the, the business model was based on um, subsidizing a product, uh, with advertising. You know I mean? We, we, we all delivered newspapers to everybody's front door every morning, but it actually cost us more to do that than it was that than what we charged you every week for it, and but we made that up with guaranteed full page ads from from car companies every thursday or wednesday and and uh, and that's no longer there, but there are now we're stuck with this home delivery model that kind of either stays or doesn't stay right yeah, but you know you know uh agencies you know they're struggling you know because you look at uh you know there was a time where Time magazine for instance had you know, if you look at their masthead back in the 80s and the 90s, if you looked at their masthead, they'd have contract photographers that would probably, you know, a dozen, maybe even more. And these, are, these were, these were the, the biggest names in the industry, you know, the, the James Noctways and Christopher Morris. And, and I mean, it goes on and on and on. And these, are, these were guys who were, who were paid a retaining contract. You know, they were paid a flat amount of money, minimum, to be available for time. And Newsweek had a similar makeup as well. That's how much money was flowing around back then. They could afford just to make, just to have these people ready to go. And you know, there wouldn't be a shortage of stuff for them to do. But you know, they were making, you know, they could be making back, you know, back in the 80s, we're making 500 to thousand dollars a day, you know, covering stories in Africa or you know, in the Middle East. Um, that wasn't unusual. That was just regular. That was plus expenses. You know, that wasn't an unusual situation for that, that level of the game. Now that's all gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's all gone. Now you'll have a, a magazine editor say, you know, wow, well, we really want the story, you know, out of out of out of Istanbul right now, but our budget's about, you know, two thousand bucks.
0: Yeah. Let's find someone who lives in Istanbul that can take some photos for us.
1: Yeah. Or or you're gonna have someone and there's there are many people out there, you know,
0: who are gonna say, Yeah, I'll do it. And they just, they just make it
1: work. You know, they have a very low overhead. Uh, in many cases, they may actually just lose money from it, but they do it because they want to do it. And, and that's why I don't, I don't suspect for a second that there's any danger for injury in in photojournalism in its purest form going away anytime soon, because there will always be, you know, even in the music business, you know, as, as crappy as, you know, you know, as, as As it is now, and how record sales mean nothing, and now nobody gets paid anymore um, you're still going to be able to find someone with a guitar at a coffee shop who's going to be writing songs, and that's what they're going to do
0: and you're still going to find someone that's going to want to photograph that guy singing his songs in that coffee shop
1: absolutely yeah, you know, I mean, I just checked my 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 facebook feed this morning, and there's there you know there's one fellow I know who uh who's in Egypt today and, and, and or I mean in, in Turkey and is photographing the demonstrations. And I know that he's probably not making any money, but right. he's there and he's making important images and he's making it work. And, and there's one photo of him and there's three other photographers in there and they're all young guys in their twenties. And so, you know, to me that, that, that'll never go away. There'll always be somebody. And so, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as pessimistic about, um, about the future. Uh, it'll be different. It'll look different, you know. In the business model, will look different.
0: At the end of the day, people may not have jobs like yours anymore. That's right. Oh, that,
1: that, yeah. That's that but adventure. the
0: same. But the same high quality photographs will be produced.
1: I believe so. Overall, yeah, there might be fewer of us doing it. Maybe I don't know. You know, but it's it's a, you know there's an equilibrium. You know, I mean, if there are fewer publications, you know, you don't need as many photographers. I don't know. That's true. It's kind of a. It's not really a good, you know, way of looking at it, but, you know, things adjust and, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I, I tell young kids all the time, they 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 say, oh, you know, how can I possibly want to get involved in this business? It's There are no jobs and every time I I, I look around, there's, you know, there's job cuts and I, I have to explain to them, when I started this in the early 80s, there were no jobs either, you know, I mean, there were always a very, few, you know, a handful of key jobs that rarely, moved, you know, opened up and and it took years, took five, ten years of an investment of of experience and, and career building to get to those opportunities. And um, so, you know, it wasn't easy back then, it's not easy now. It's the same. You can easily find you can easily find any one of my colleagues who'll sit here and disagree with me. <laughs>
0: And this is going to be a multi. Uh, I'm. I'm actually interviewing a few people for this podcast. So, okay. so we'll see what they say. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't know. I mean, you know, that's what's great about this is, is, like I said. I mean, there is no, there's no magic bullet. You know, there's no magic bullet. There's no great idea that's going to save us all from this. In in, in kind of in a counterintuitive way from what from what the Sun Times is doing, you know, I think if we if we just keep doing what we do well, we'll weather this. You know, we'll. You know the bean counters and the accountants and the, and and the marketing managers will figure out at some point how, you know how this all works and we can still make money, um, and it still works as a business. But if we all you know jump ship and 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 scurry away like a bunch of rats because we're scared that the sky is going to fall, um, then we're not going to be there when it when it happens. And I think it's important for, for especially the people like myself in the transition stage. That we're still around, you know, even just for five years when this happens, because, um, you know, there's a lot of experience and a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way that, that uh, is, you know, are going to be very valuable. And, uh, uh, you know, it's great seeing people that are 22, 25, 26, 30, 30, whatever years old out there doing it, uh, getting into the business and being very passionate and being quite happy to do everything. Video stills, writing—you know, you name it—and but you can't just have that. You know, you have to have a mix, and uh, and so I'm hoping that that mix enough people stick around so that we can pass on a little bit of what we know, and then have them take it and just process it from what they've learned from you know being young and and not knowing what it was like back then. <laughs> I you know it drives me crazy when I'm around other photographers who are talking to speaking with young students or young photographers and it drives me crazy when they talk about the old days absolutely drives me over i mean i just i just want to just tell them to shut up you know because it's irrelevant you know what happened in the old days is completely irrelevant to someone who's in the business today because none of it applies you know i mean um they're they're going to do it their way and, and we did it our way. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's the same every generation, you know, every generation, every every generation's parents uh, hate their kids' music. You know, I can't listen to hip hop. Right. But, you know, my parents didn't like Led Zeppelin. So, you know, so I mean, it, it's just it repeats itself. And, and so um, but there's knowledge to be passed on and, and hopefully things will uh, things will stabilize a little bit. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think we are in a period of transition. And people in, you know, in many, like we talked about already, music, photography, and in a lot of industries, we're in a serious period of transition. And um, yeah, we don't know where the chips are going to fall at this point. Uh, they're falling, you know, at this point, but we don't know where they will place themselves at the end of the day, I don't think.
1: Yeah. I mean, just because things are free doesn't mean people can't make money from it. I know that doesn't make any sense, but I mean,
0: you know, music to a
1: certain extent is free, you know, I mean, it's, it's free, but yet you still have, you know, you still have a lot of money changing hands whether it's at concerts or whether it's on iTunes or whether it's t-shirts or whatever, you know? And so, you know, so in the same way that news is becoming free and it is, there's, there's no way. Uh, and it's not necessarily a knock on paywalls, but, but, um, but information is free, and and that's not something anybody counted on. You know, people people who are in control of, of the information, um, not in a Big Brother way, but more in a you know, delivery technological way, uh, you know, people had to wait for the next morning to find out what happened the day before, you know.
0: Now we just go to Twitter or something. Well, you know? exactly. You yeah. know, te-
1: you know, you're, so it's, you know, like I said, you know, people no longer have monopolies on how things work. And that's the you know, same thing with advertising. People had a choice. Either you know, if you wanted to advertise, you took a TV ad, a radio ad, or a newspaper ad, and maybe put up a billboard. That was pretty much your only choice, you know. And they all had pricing points. That you know, I can't afford TV, so I'll use radio, or I can't afford radio, I'll use print. Now they don't have to do any of that, and they can do something that's probably far more effective for a lot less money. You know, it's it's uh, like I said, you know, the stranglehold that the newspaper business used to have on advertisers. For years, you know, ad salesmen, no, no slight on ad salesmen, but for, for decades, they just sit there in our office and wait for the orders to come in every Wednesday or Thursday, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, classifieds is a whole other issue.
0: Those days are dead. Well, exactly. Now
1: everybody's <laughs> chasing everything, right? So, and, you know, as a result, everybody's had to adjust photo editors and you know, space is getting, you know, space in papers, you know, we used to have six column photos, five column photos. Now they're two, maybe one, maybe no space at all. So, you know, obviously, and then of course, online, there is no space issues, but you know, there's all kinds of other issues as well, but
0: it's changing, but it's not necessarily uh, the, the whole gloom and doom thing that some people are saying.
1: Just one last one thing that I was going to say about Photoshop. Yeah, uh, please. You, um, you know, there's been obviously ever since Photoshop has become kind of a household name, people have uh, you know become aware of the possibilities, and you know, and and you know, skeptical, and of course the fashion magazines and all that stuff. But I have a, I have, a, uh, I have when I was a photo editor, a photo editor at the Globe, we had a file. I had a file anyway, and um, the, the we had a photo librarian who would do research and in the old print. Files, you know, and looking back, and not in our electronic uh, archive, but but back, you know, eight by ten glossy prints, kind of thing. And she would she would bring them to me just as a joke, uh, and I'd keep them in a file of photos from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even even 80s that were airbrushed, that were uh, two photos were cut out and put together and glued to make it look like they were one photo unbelievable stuff stuff that you just look at and you just can't you think, whoa it was very crude compared to what you could do on screen with a photoshop but you know i guess what my point is is that you know even though we have these photoshop controversies the ethical standards and the oversight and the awareness of keeping things true and honest is way stronger now than it was 20 or 30 years ago and that's something a lot of people don't see because it's very much a behind-the-scenes thing. But there were things that were completely, do you know, oh, yeah, that's fine. Let's just airbrush this guy out of here because he's not part of the story. And that, I, like I said, I had a, a two-inch thick file of photos that just sort of popped up every now and then that uh that showed that kind of stuff so you know
0: were those were those photos from your newspaper or from other newspapers uh, it,
1: it would be ours but but it it, it it you could go to any other newspaper be the same thing okay yeah oh yeah no no airbrushing back then was um
0: okay so really i mean i actually i'll be honest I, I didn't actually know that that went on as uh pervasively as you're suggesting
1: yeah in fact you know we talked about here's here's an example the the You know, the World Press photo, when you're talking about highlights and faces and and all kinds of things that, you know, probably a result of being able to make those kinds of adjustments electronically. You know, if you had, uh, you know, a photo that was shot at night with with strobe and somebody had a black coat on, you know, and back then, you know, these were big flash bulbs at F-16. So, I mean, everything that went, the flash didn't hit, just went black. They would just take a gray fine point paintbrush and just paint an edge all the way around that black coat. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: that that and you could go to any newspaper in the '70s or '60s or '50s, and that was happening.
0: That's so interesting because, okay. as a non-photojournalist, hearing something like that, I'm not in the trade, but for me, it kind of sounds like blasphemy in a way. Like that's well, that's I mean, something you shouldn't do.
1: It was, you know. I mean, but you know, here's, you know, I mean, the but the motivation for that wasn't let's fool someone. Right. The motivation was for that was we
0: need to compensate for. For, yeah, for the lack of technology in a way. Exactly.
1: The latitude in the film wasn't there. And then when it hit the printing press, when it hit that paper and the ink, everything just went black. Yeah. So they had to kind of compensate and find ways to to, to, to make it usable, you know. So, uh, so there's always been a bit of... Uh,
0: so it's always been going on in a way. And it's just now that we could communicate so much more yeah. easily about it, now it takes... Ten seconds to tell a thousand people about a phenomenon that's been going on all the time, but because we didn't have this way to connect with everyone so easily, it may have gone under the radar. It did go under the radar. Well, it for did sure. go under
1: the radar. Yeah, I mean, even the you know even the Sun Times thing, you know, or even the in the World Press. I mean, you know, pre-internet, pre-Twitter, pre-blog, pre-pre- Facebook. You know, I mean, be a handful of people who would have heard of any of them. You know, now maybe it's just because most of my Facebook friends are in the business. You know, I mean, I, I can't. I can't go through two, three newsfeed items without seeing a Chicago Sun Times link to something. So you know, once uh, once the cat's out of the bag, then uh, it becomes the big issue. But. Uh
0: and then, then, then we forget about it and then we're to something else. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So with that, uh, I'm going to let you go, Mo. I really, uh, really appreciate uh, your time here for sure. Um, if, if people want to check Mo out, it's uh, Mo Douiron. That's spelled D-O-I-R-O-N. And uh, he works at the Globe and Mail. I'm going to throw some links in the show notes um, so people, you know, can find you more easily. I'm also going to throw some links to past uh, winning World Press photo, photos just so people could see a transition of uh, winning photographs over the years as well, which might be interesting for people.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, because there is a difference. Yeah. You know, like I said, there really is a difference. And um, like, you know, we move on to the next thing pretty quick. So we forget uh, what came before. But but yeah, historically, there's been a, a big difference.
0: Awesome. All right, Mo, I really appreciate your time. Thanks again. And You're welcome. Uh, Hopefully, one day we can do this again in the future. Sounds good. Thanks again, Mo. And I'd like to thank uh, Mo Duarna one last time uh, for taking the time uh, to chat with us and share his experience with us. In terms of assignments on this month's forum, we have a few days left, and our regular assignment is low-angled images, and our level two assignment is uh, F-16 or smaller. Um, I'm going to get mine in this weekend. We already have quite a few creative submissions, so I encourage you to submit again if you've done so, and uh, join up if you've been lurking. We're a friendly bunch, as I keep mentioning. One thing to mention is that if you are... uh, getting these podcasts via google reader that is about to disappear in the next few days so I encourage you to go to the front page of the blog, photography.ca forward slash blog, and uh, click on any of the links to choose your preferred way to get this podcast. You can either get uh, directly by email. Uh, every time we put one out, you'll just get an email with the podcast embedded, or you can do it through iTunes, etc. So if you're at all worried about this, just go to the front page of the blog, photography.ca forward slash blog, and click on any of the subscription links, which will be at the top right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and uh, for exploring this uh, really interesting topic. In the upcoming weeks, we have scheduled uh, more interesting interviews with uh, interesting photographers and we're going to talk about more techniques but in the meantime just keep on shooting bye for now everyone thanks so much for listening